0: Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food. Health and Agriculture, and Fine Food Truth. And today I am honored to welcome my guest, Dr. Anita Sanchez. She holds a PhD in organization development. She is a consultant, a trainer, a coach, and storyteller who shares her Native American heritage and wisdom of indigenous elders when our planet seems to need these voices most. She serves on the boards of Bioneers and the Pachamama Alliance. She is also the author of a wonderful new book titled The Four Sacred Gifts, Indigenous Wisdom for Modern Times. Dr. Sanchez invites us to adopt a new view of our planet and to do away with the illusion that we are somehow separate from the earth. She challenges us to seek out and honor the interconnectedness between people people. Earth, and Spirit. And I think that our nation, our world, our globe, our planet need to hear Dr. Sanchez's voice now more than ever. Welcome, Dr. Sanchez.
1: Thank you so much. That was a very nice, warm introduction. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you.
0: Well, I was so intrigued by your book. I think that when I speak to people who are close to the earth, I have friends who are farmers, for example, they are witnessing changes. They are witnessing more severe weather patterns. They're seeing their soils being degraded. They are witnessing water pollution. They are seeing children that have diseases that we didn't see before. And we want to know how to heal the planet. And they have often said to me, I think we need to listen and to heed indigenous voices and the wisdom from elders to right the path that we're on. So I'm thrilled to have you.
1: Thank you. I agree. I agree with these friends that it is, that's the kind of the quest that I went on, which which was to return to the wisdom of the elders who for millennia have been living, the true wisdom holders all over the world, keeping that connection to earth and people and spirit. Mm -hmm. We sorely need it now.
0: Well, I've got your book marked up extensively, and we're not going to be able to get through all of it, but I do want to focus on several points, and we certainly, I know our (laughs) listeners are sitting at the edge of their chairs wondering what are the four sacred gifts, so we'll get into those, but I want to start out where you started out, which was this illusion of no relations. Somehow, we have become disconnected from the earth that supports us, and I'm very curious to know how you were connected as a child, and how you help people reconnect today.
1: Yes. Well, I was connected very early, being um, both Mexican-American and my tribe is Aztec. I had the wonderful opportunity to grow up with elders around me. I thought everyone had them, and they would repeat the same thing. I used to actually get kind of annoyed, like, why do they keep saying that? And now I understand why. It's because there's so many messages coming to us in the larger world saying how we're separate, compete, you know, we're alone. All these things that are actually illusions, what I call illusions of separateness. And instead, what they taught us was that we are all one. So we're one human race. We come in these body suits of different colors of red, white, black, and yellow. We're brown where there's different colors however in order to be a whole human being who's healthy who's vibrant it means to be in right relationship with yourself other people and the earth that is the only way that we can have harmony and peace and so now when i hear those elders saying that i find myself saying it too and i go this is the big difference because we can do lots of different actions and there's lots of things we can do to correct what's going on, the division. However, we'll recreate it again unless we also at the same time change our worldview, our mindset that we are separate and have no relations because indeed, we are related to everyone and everything. There are many forces working against us, aren't there? The corporate- yes, there are so many. It's just amazing. when You can look in any kind of sector. You can look at the economy, clearly the environment. You can look in issues of politics and race and gender, I mean, all these things about separateness and how we don't need to be caring for each other, that we just go it alone, and that's just so not true. But I understand where that comes from, and it comes from in part because we have not spent the time to look at what are the messages, the belief systems that we hold that tell us that we're separate or that tell us that we're connected. So often I have people make a list, just write down, just all those things that tell you, that we are separate and then the list of all the things that tell us we're connected. And I'll tell you, Belinda, it's kind of sad, whether it's in the workplace or out in the community or being with some families. What I see is the list of separateness is so huge. And it's just not true. It's just not true. I mean, science is telling us that. And if we just pay attention to like just talking to each other right now and the people are listening, we're not doing anything on our own. We're breathing. That breath comes, thank you plants and trees for changing the carbon into the oxygen that we're able... It's not coming from some people think, oh, well, that's the air-conditioned system or that's the heating system. We've separated from our natural connection and we can regain that. We just need to take the time to learn about what that connection is. Mm -hmm.
0: The culture that I come from really teaches this independent way of thinking. We're self-reliant, where we don't need the help of others. We are, we're not cooperative, we're more competitive. And so often, rather than looking at the three legs of the sustainability stool where, you know, we think about social and environment as well as economic, it seems to me that so many of our laws are based on that one leg of the stool that's, that's based in economy. So we're looking at profits, we're looking at shareholder success. We're not looking at the ravages of the land that seem on the exterior to result in profit, only because we're not really taking a full account of the damages.
1: Yes, that's true. And I think often about what is arising right now that makes me excited, is the whole rights of nature movement that began in Ecuador, which is the first country to include in their constitution the rights of nature. And now we see that there are cities and states all over the world who are on other countries, too, that are looking at the rights of nature. Standing Rock, that happened almost two years ago, come February. That was another example and has actually spurred on this whole rights of nature. And that, that Melinda, makes me so excited because I also know that there are companies out there, businesses, small, entrepreneurial, as well as some companies that have been around for a while who are looking at what would it look like if we actually had a seat on the board for the environment, right. for the earth, in which because we can't make a profit on a dead planet. We've heard that for decades, but we don't behave that way. But the fact is it's rising again, perhaps because things are so desperate. Right. Regardless, it is time to do that. It's time for us to act as that we do have relations. In fact, the worst thing you can say to an indigenous person, so don't say mm-hmm. it, but the absolute worst thing you can say to them is saying that you're acting as if you have no relations. That mm. is just like, oh, even me just saying that, it hurts my heart because there's no way we're obviously here from all those who came before. We don't come out of a void. We're here because of the plants, the earth, the the things that are providing nutrition for us and then all the human beings that are growing that and then getting it to us and on and on and on, there's virtually nothing that we do alone. And that doesn't take away our power and our gifts and our contribution. Instead, it should strengthen it like, wow, I have so much, so much power, so much ability, so much support. That means all of this is doable. All these problems are solvable. Mm-hmm.
0: So you have had four decades of doing training and coaching. And I am very curious to know what some of the most powerful or effective tools you've used, or messages, words, language, to help people transform their way of thinking and see themselves as part of the whole rather than separate?
1: Yes. There are a number of things that I have people do that are very, very practical. I think one of them is clearly just being quiet, like putting down the cell phone and the computer, not giving them up. I'm not giving up mine either. But what we need right now, we have so much information. We have information to solve all our problems. What we don't have is the individual and collective will to take the action. What we're lacking is the wisdom. But Wisdom can be found inside of each of us. I'm talking from the heart, really going in there, not our mind that plays tricks on us, but really down inside, We can find it in nature, like you talked about, that you went out into nature and you had your children when we were talking before about going out into nature, as if I've done the same. And then the true indigenous elders, the wisdom keepers from all the different traditions around the world, are all saying the same thing about slowing down, getting quiet, going into nature, reading something that's inspiring, that tells us about our connection, and then as I mentioned earlier, I think it's really valuable just to sit down and take an assessment. It's great to do this and just say, so what are my belief systems? What is it that's telling me about separateness and what's telling me about connectedness? And then explore those. Ultimately, each of us have to make the decision. But I think when we actually see these things, we have a great choice. We have the power to make the choice on how we want to be in the world, mm-hmm. continuing in this road of separateness or understanding and building in terms of understanding we're a part of the Hoopa life, not separate from it.
0: Yeah. For any of our listeners who might be wondering how this conversation might apply to food, health, and nutrition, I think what I have witnessed as a dietitian is that so often disordered eating, as well as ill health in general, really stems from this level of disconnectedness, as well as the way we treat the land and how we produce our food, that when we respect the earth and listen and observe those are the best farmers aren't they they're the keenest observers we produce healthier food while also protecting the earth so what you are talking about and this particular book is very much related to the larger or the the smaller picture of food health and nutrition i just wanted to set the stage for that
1: i don't even know if i'd call it smaller to me I think that's the other thing we do is we create hierarchy of things. Yes. And the reality is, oh my gosh, if I'm going to be here then I have to think about am I breathing properly? What nutrition am I putting in my body? I mean sometimes I go I just did a road trip and I went into a little gas station and I looked around, and I went, Oh my gosh, there's no food here. Mhm. It was just junk. Right. And I was like, Oh my gosh And then there's some places where that's really what's most available. And then we need to train. So if we don't love ourselves enough to put into it healthy food, clean air, water, then how are you going to resolve all these other things? So I think what you're doing, and I really thank you and your listeners, because this is at the heart of it, because I think this is an inside-outside job and an outside-inside job. And clearly from the inside out, it's going to be a lot better We're going to be able to be a lot more effective if we're caring for ourselves. Then we know how to begin to do that with the earth and reconnect. And I'm saying that not as a, um, oh, I know better. I know from my suffering in my early life, from abuse and racism and sexism and all that, that I've used food. I shouldn't call it food. It was non-nutritive stuff that I would put in my mouth as a way to deal with emotions. Right. That's a disconnect. And when I begin to slow down and really pay attention and care for myself, listen like the elders say, get out into nature, surround myself with loving other people who care about themselves, other people, and the earth, then you can begin more easily shifting all of those ways of being. Nothing is doomed. Patterns are difficult to change, but patterns change all the time, just like the seasons.
0: That's a beautiful message. I need to take one break and let our listeners know that if you're just joining us, you are tuned into Food Sleuth Radio, where we are joined by Dr. Anita Sanchez, and we are going to dive into her brand-new book titled The Four Sacred Gifts. Well, we have to talk about what those four sacred gifts are, and they are powerful. I can read them, or you could read them, but let's (laughs) go down the list. I'll start off with the first one because... It's one of the more difficult ones for me to get my head around, and that is the power to forgive the unforgivable.
1: How do we do that? Well, first, for me, I think it's important to understand that we have to stop running away. So we have to face what seems unforgivable in terms of what's being done and has been done and continues to be done to the earth, what we continue in terms of hurting ourselves and each other. We need to face that, which means not running away. And so... How do we do that? Part of that is, again, I'm going to come back to the big four-letter word, which is love, and it's self-love. What I found with all of the atrocities that happened to me in my life is that it required me to really get connected, and how I got connected was going out into nature, Mm -hmm. walking these foothills of the Rockies, and realizing, wait a minute, I'm part of this because I started believing the pain and suffering and the hurts and mistreatments and the separateness was me. And that's a lie. I'm this sacred being, just like everyone. And you use different languages. Some people call it God, Allah, Buddha, whatever. And it's all important, universe energy, consciousness. But the key is that we got to get back in touch with that. And so when you forgive, you are actually releasing the negative energy of hurt, mistreatment, cynicism, anger, all of those things, which actually hurt the host more than it hurts anyone else. Mm -hmm. And so when you release that, then you have all this energy. It really is a path to freedom. And that's how in my book and in my talks, whether it's in companies or in communities, it's about you want freedom. Everybody wants freedom. This is part of the path to freedom is to let go of that negative energy. Love yourself enough so that way you can be here clearly right here, right now, and address what needs to happen right here, right now, not from the past.
0: I really appreciate that message, that idea that the power to forgive is really based on our ability to love ourselves enough to let those negative feelings go.
1: I think that's absolutely true. And Melinda, one of the things that I think I did, and as I'm talking to people, I find they're doing the same thing. They've mixed up what forgiveness means. So if I could say just quickly what forgiveness does not mean, Forgiveness does not mean weakness. Forgiveness does not mean lack of confidence. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting the hurt or mistreatment. Forgiveness does not mean that you don't right the wrong. So forgiveness means you can still seek justice. It's just you're not doing it out of the poison that you're ingesting in yourself by holding on to anger, hate, hurt, and mistreatment, but rather you're doing it with a clear, open heart, with the energy to be able to see really what is here, and then address the structures and systems that need to be changed, as well as our own individual and collective behavior. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that will help people, because I was mistaken of what forgiveness meant. I dragged my feet in doing it because I felt like, oh, if I do this, and I'm betraying myself and others, I'm weak. That's just not true. You actually are, it takes courage to forgive. It takes courage to truly love yourself fully. I to let go of that.
0: And I think that is one of the most important messages that we can maybe think about as we enter this new year and wanting to make a difference in our lives and on the planet is this focus on forgiveness. It's a beautiful part of your book and I I highly recommend that people sit with these ideas for a while and if they belong to a book club or share with their neighbors or their families and really get their hearts around this idea of forgiveness. The second sacred gift is the power of unity. And I wonder if you could talk to us about that.
1: Yes. Unity is a wonderful one. It's really what we talked about from the very beginning, which is the whole mindset that we are all connected, that we are all related. All of us are these precious relations, whether we're two-legged or winged or elements, water, fire. And again, science is telling us this. Science is telling us that all the elements of the earth and in the stars are in each of us. And we also can see, in terms of especially, I see watching the earth, looking at when we change something in an ecosystem, it ends up hurting the ecosystem, which ends up hurting us because we depend on the ecosystem for water, for our food, the earth, you know, and all these kinds of things. So this unity is very, very critical. And I must say, in terms of indigenous perspective, from the traditions I've seen all over the world, is that this is really very fundamental. It's clearly a part of this book However, the whole notion of unity is key. And I'm sure if people would stop for a moment and just think about where have you experienced unity? And that's unity with yourself as well as unity with others. Mm -hmm. And then where have you not? And how has your life gone? Quickly, as a visual, I have people pick up a stick, you know, a thin regular stick from a, a branch of a tree and try to break it. And they break it generally fairly easy. Some of them are a little greener than others, so it takes a while. And then I have them put, sticks together a bunch of them bind them together now try to break those and you can't the truth is as human beings we are all made to be in unity and connection we will die just like we need food and water we also need community that's part of our health and well-being and so this is a natural thing that we strive for is to be in unity even the most introverted people it's about being in unity You know, you might have a smaller group of people, but again, I don't limit this. Indigenous people don't limit this to just people. The unity is with the earth as well and all its creatures. You know,
0: in preparation for this interview, in addition to reading through your book, I also watched a couple of your presentations online, one of which was the TEDx talk that you gave in Manhattan Beach in November of 2016. And I don't know whether it was during that excellent presentation or some of the others, but you mentioned that... We are connected to animals, animals help people, people help animals. And you mentioned how other species set off alarms. So for example, you know, the dying of the, the bees and the amphibians that we're seeing some of the harms that are happening to their endocrine systems based on exposure to pesticides and herbicides, they are setting off alarms to us if only we could observe, listen and take action.
1: I couldn't agree more. I'm both smiling and teary-eyed as you say that, because it's just the truth of that. They are sounding off alarms. Even when we hear about the hurricanes and things happening, Mm -hmm. before they even happen, if people will, you have to search it out, the birds are flying away, the bugs, the lizards. I'm not talking about just in the Amazon where I go every year and take a group in the summer, but I'm talking about all over here, all over even our country where that's happened, fires, fires. Same thing if we pay attention, if we understand our natural connection. And there are groups of people who have not lost that. So I know that for some of my people here in this country that have really stayed the connection, they don't talk about themselves and the earth or the water as separate. Water is life. I am life. We are one. And so it's true in the depths of the Amazon The people live and operate, not talking about living in the rainforest, they're part of the rainforest. What would that look like if we actually all the earth, the water, the food, all of this that gives us life and the animals, birds, all these the pets, all everything, if we really saw us as part of instead of separate, I think we'd be much more caring and loving and pay attention to not just be about what you opened up with the whole greed, the separation, the profit-only mentality. It's not sustainable. Right. And we're meant to be sustainable. <laughs>
0: I think it's interesting, you know, when we think about the language that we use, you had mentioned also in one of your talks how pests, P-E-S-T-S, are essential to life. And yet, think about how we use that term and how we think about pest. You know, you're being pesty that's a negative, And yet, these insects that we typically refer to as pests, they're essential to our life. And you made reference to E.O. Wilson and his observation that once our insects are gone, we're gone.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's true. Gail e. Wilson is a famous Harvard biologist, and he's really clear. And he's got at least 98 percent of the other scientists who agree. And from their findings, is that you know if we destroy ourselves, which they're not saying it's going to happen, but if we were to do that, stay on this road of separateness and destruction, and not protect our biodiversity, the Earth would probably come back into equilibrium fairly quickly in 10,000 years. What it was 10,000 years in, in just maybe a thousand years. But if we kill the insects, it's gone. It's all gone. So these things, our language is really powerful too. How we talk about these other species, these other animals, these insects, how we even talk about our food. So I love the work that you're doing because let's talk about food as nutrition and then let's talk about the other stuff that's just chemicals and things that are destroying our health and well-being, our ability to think clearly and to have vibrant lives.
0: Yeah, and the same things that harm the earth in their production are harming us. Uh, getting back to everything being connected and getting on to the third sacred gift, which is the power of healing.
1: Yeah, I love the power of healing. We get to use that gift every day over and over again. I know I do, and I know other people say, can we just get the shot, or can we just go to the pharmacy? In indigenous worldview, we don't really think of it that way. We think of healing as being good medicine, and we all get the choice of being good medicine or bad medicine to ourselves and to others. Good medicine is anything that brings into alignment the spiritual, mental, psychological, emotional, and physical plane. Bad medicine is anything that tears that apart. And so what I found across these different traditions, very different ways of healing. Uh, Some, of course, look at having clean water, food always as a part of it, rest and things like that. Some engage in dance, ceremony, sweat, other kinds of things. But fundamental to all of these are these four basic elements are present. Listening, supportive relationships, unconditional love, and a commitment to create a positive action. That's the healing process. It takes many forms. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. More often than not, though, healing is a process rather than just an event. Mm. And we get to have that gift to use every day. Yes, exactly. You are
0: leaving us with the fourth gift, which is the power of hope. And I have often thought, as a healthcare provider, one of the most important things I can give the people that I work with is a bit of hope that they have the power to make a difference, that there will be a brighter day. Talk to me from an Indigenous perspective. What is the power of hope?
1: Yes, the power of hope. Hope is an energy source. And Indigenous people, my elders, have always talked about it that way. And one of the things they say is leaders should never take away hope. However, that's an illusion too. Because hope is a choice. Each one of us has access to this infinite amount of energy called hope. And that is that despite facts of the contrary, despite what our senses can see, feel, touch, smell, we do know that there's some other magic way of knowing, inspiration through dreams, through vision. That thing that pulls us, again, we all know that if somebody was going to say, You need to do this in order for your children to be safe, right? If you needed to take down this huge building, you would find some. I would find some way. What do I need to do? And the reality is we do extraordinary things. Ordinary people do them all the time. So hope is an energy source. And what we have to be careful about is we get so many messages about doubt to doubt. Oh, I'm afraid to try something new. I'm afraid to start eating differently. Or it's just so easy to go into the old pattern, even though the old pattern is not is hurting, is not life-giving. And so the risk of failure or the fear of uncertainty, these different things are what doubt calls on to dash our desire to create something even better. But once you start taking that step, even if you do it at night, just in your dreams, before you go, you're like, I'm open to dreams. So many people have stopped dreaming. I'm like, oh, no, no, don't give up to cynicism, all those things, start just dreaming. And they're like, wow, that's amazing. I've started to dream again. Yes, get your mind out of the way and we can move forward. So this power of hope in action, what's key is you don't just have hope in these visions, but you actually move. And when it's true hope, you are pulled towards that, just as you are pulled to want to do this amazing radio show continuously, despite all the facts of the contrary out there of the destruction and pollution and things that are happening. Wait a minute. I know that together we can change this. We can change this for ourselves, for our children, our children's children, and all the other species' children. Hope is an energy source, and we each get to choose it.
0: Well, Dr. Sanchez, what a wonderful, beautiful note to end our interview with. Unfortunately, our time is up. I have so many more questions that I'd love to explore with you, but we'll just have to let our listeners explore your book, The Four Sacred Gifts. I want to thank our listeners for joining us. I want to remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. And I especially want to thank my guest, Dr. Anita Sanchez, a powerful visionary of Mexican-American and Aztec heritage. She has written a wonderful book. She is here at the time I think that we need her messages the most. So thank you so much for being with me.
1: Thank you.